know Quinn and I go everywhere. We're doing sales for Cush, so now we're allowed to go into every single dispensary in the state. You know, not just asking if they want to become our patient like everybody else. We've got a, another reason, you know. And we see an awful lot of really good storefronts, real professional. Billings has come a long way. We've all come a long way. Um, we saw a dispensary in Missoula yesterday that was really beautiful. It looked like something that was, you know, it's the models that we need people to see that are out there. Um, I think that most of us are doing a really good job, but, you know, it, it's just like if anybody's ever gone to a restaurant, I'm that guy that if the food wasn't good, I'm not going back. I'm just not. And it's not fair, but that's how I am, and a lot of people are that way. In our industry, we definitely see that. We see that if somebody's turned off by something, they're turned off by the whole thing. And in, in all, a lot of the feedback I get from people I meet, that is exactly the case. And I mean, people associate me with Jason Christ. They associate all of us with him. Um, it's not fair. But again, like me not going back to a restaurant that I thought sucked or just had a, an off day, it's not fair of me, but that is how it is. That's the reality. It's like my history of being in the ski business for a long time. I know that I don't piss off any single customer because they can all tell 10 or 20 of their friends how bad I am. And they're all going to go by that. A lot of the people that are writing our laws... They, ha they form their opinions on what their friend told them over a game of golf. They don't give a shit what else happens. They really don't. They say, my friend told me he smoked marijuana in 1974 and it screwed him up. Uh, that's it. His opinion is that, that way. I mean, that's where we find the haters, you know, for sure. By the people that have had bad experiences or see bad things. A lot of it's in, in misinformation. But, again, all we can really do is stress our image, you know, make it the best we can. Um, we have obviously bad press that we get bad press um and it's it's fairly amazing if you ask me because like i think i brought up in the last meeting i did we had a few stories in our daily interlake about something that happened months ago one person i know and i actually interviewed him and i asked him i said what happened to these charges he said all charges were dropped all charges were dropped but this tape this story was on the front page of our sunday paper two weeks ago I called the reporter. I emailed the reporter. Nothing back. I've gotten nothing back yet, and I've tried for two weeks. So apparently, they don't care. We don't know why they don't like us. I mean, we have no idea. If you look at other industries that kill people every day, how come they're not putting in the bad press? Why aren't they in the bad spotlight every day? Well, they're not new. We're used to them. America's used to these people. They're just not used to us. So that's why image is really important. It's really important, you know? I mean, I'm wearing my collared shirt. I mean, that's it, you know? I mean, for some reason, if something is one little thing, you know, one, and these bad stories in the, press, the the newspapers, for some reason, a lot of, and I think we have somebody from a newspaper here tonight, so I'm, so I'm, not, I'm not ripping on everybody. <laughs> but for some reason, we see a lot of negative press, and press, that's old news. It's history, but it's being run as new news. Because maybe not everybody read it the first time. And for some reason, these people want it to be ingrained into the community that we're a bad industry. That there are bad people involved. Well, we all know there's more bad people involved in almost every industry but this one. We know that. How do we get that word out to people? You know, we get our patients to stand up for us to write letters. We get our patients to come to our house in Helena to testify. Anything we can do. We know how good we are. We know what nice people we are. We know what we're trying to do, and we're trying to do it right. But again, one bad article in the paper. Jason Chris does something stupid. Michael Smith does something stupid. There it goes. 
Yeah, all the hard work we've worked for, everything we've worked for, can be gone like that because of one dumbass. We've got to go out of our way to be more professional because the industry does lack a certain amount of professionalism. It does, you know, and we know that. It's up to us to fix that. Um, on the good press side, the radio's been very fair. I've listened. I've been on a few talk shows. I've listened to a few talk shows. For some reason, radio doesn't seem to really bash us. I think that I, in our valley, the radio's just afraid. They think the uh, SEC and the feds are going to come down on them if they speak with marijuana. It's total lies. I've talked to the head of the FCC, the guy that makes the decisions on what's on the airways for local radio channels. His name is Alan. I gave his information to Benny B at B Broadcasting. I gave it to him. I'm going to call this guy because it's not illegal. You can do this. You know, the guy told me straight up, he goes, you don't say you're selling pot in your pot shop. You're offering alternative pain for pain management. You know, this is what you're doing. Okay, you know, of course. Um, they're advertising in Billings and Bozeman and Missoula, but here we're, they're still not. Like we've got, you know, for some reason it's the taboo thing. And how do we erase it? Well, we erase it by making our storefronts better. You know, I mean, we do. We, we by making our appearance better, by just doing, by being nice, fundraising. Like today, I was driving and I heard they're doing like a Toys or Tots, and when somebody comes by and donates, they're like, "Hey, this came from you know Pierce Manufacturing or something." You know, it's like, dang it, why didn't I? I didn't even know they were doing this. But if anybody here, if we can always like Jimmy's the guy, the networker. You are the networker. You are a networker for the state, to be honest. You know, you hear about something though, Jimmy, like a Toys for Tot drive or something like that. We need the industry to step up and donate a box of teddy bears. Do something. Say, this is from the medical marijuana industry. And make sure that they know that and that's what they announce where it's coming from. So any ideas we ever have, most of you have my email. Email me. Say, Ed, here's something coming up. This is a good idea. I will delegate that to somebody. Because we need to start delegating jobs to our volunteers and people in our, in our organization. Obviously, you know, we're all super busy. But we've got to start delegating. Like, um, well, I know I've donated to the one down at uh, Lakeside Cornucopia. He runs a toy yeah, pin. Yeah, he does. He yep. does run a toy pin. Yep. We donated to uh, last and, year, I think. And that's something that, you know, if he needs, I can give him media contacts. You know, right. Something. Something. Just, just. Well, you might want to. I mean, I, I, talk it, to him. it sucks that it seems so hard to, like, we've got to work so hard, you know, to, to be accepted. You know, by, you know, just not, it's accepted by the media, to be honest, because I think publicly we're very accepted. I mean, I spent all last week in my ski ship talking to every single customer about marijuana. I had people call me and say, I cannot believe you talked to my parents for a half hour about marijuana. They came home and they were so happy about marijuana. He's like, I couldn't believe it. I crapped my pants. I'm like, who did you talk to? They're like, God, the guy at the ski ship. They're like, Ed? Yeah, this guy knows what he's talking about. And we all need to do that. You know, and every other, I mean, I don't know how all of us can do it. I mean, not everybody has a shop that the public keeps coming in that isn't, you know, a dispensary. And we know that a lot of people need, you know, probably more information about this industry, how it helps. Because one thing is, I think we get passive. I think this industry gets very passive with, hey, we know what's up. We know it works. Fine. Problem is, there's a huge percentage out there that doesn't know. I think what we've got on our side is there's a lot of common sense in Montana. A hell of a lot of common sense. So we're not going to let people take our liberties away. Not real easily, anyway. You know, And we've got people that are on our side. You say we've got 25,000 patients. Well, I say we've got four times that many people supporting us. We've got 10% of this state that is on our side. We've got a market share that kills McDonald's. That's the truth. 
I mean, we have that. You know, it's not, dispensaries are not the only business making money in this industry. Dispensaries are probably making the least amount of money in this business. That's the truth. You know, grocery stores, electric company. I mean, there is, you know, lawyers, my God, you know. I mean, the doctors that are giving the recommendations. I mean, there is, the ancillary businesses that are making the money off of this, we need to let them know to come forward. Take our surveys. Let people know how much money they're, not just making. What spending. I like to tell people that I don't make any money, I spend it. I spend money every day. I've never spent money like this in my life. I always wished I could, but I wanted to spend it on myself. It's not happening at all. But, whatever, as long as Ross is there, I can get an $8 shirt, right? That's it, you know. But it's important that, you know, that the people know that that's, you know, the image. The image, um, people don't like the Skyping of patients, you know. To me, I don't think they can take Skyping out of our law. Because you've got people that live in the most rural areas of our country live in Montana. I mean, you can't expect, I mean, I understand the whole MCN fiasco. I understand how bad that guy looks, how bad he's done, what a job he's done has been amazing. You know, I mean, I will continue to condemn his actions. I'm not going to slander him. Whatever his reasons are, are his reasons. But, I mean, obviously he's making us look bad. Now, the board of exam, medical board of examiners said, no more Skype. Well, he's still doing it. Now, we all hear rumors on why. This misinformation is amazing out there. You know, it is. Um, I'm going to get to the bottom of it somehow. <laughs> I don't know how. But, again, we need to dispel all the rumors of what's going on. You know, I think we think that we know Skyping is necessary, but we don't want it exploited like it is. The stories I've heard coming out of MCN are insane. I mean, a doctor with a shirt off and a hemp necklace giving prescription recommendations. What? I mean, really? You know, what I hear from our patients is just crazy that have gone through there. So we've gone out of our way to develop a network statewide. How do we open up cannabis information centers where people can benefit, where the dispensaries can benefit? They have a legitimate place to send their patients. Because you've got dispensaries out there that are hoarding doctors, that won't let other people help, that are profiteering off of doctors. It's all wrong. You don't see <coughs> Pfizer build a plant and then attach a hospital to it. They, they do it with their brains. So can we, Right. So stop hoarding the doctors. Stop thinking you're on top because you got a doctor. It's There's a lot of people out there now that do not like me because I go to every town. And I tell people, we're about to open up some clinics. Not me, a group of people that don't care about making the money. We hire doctors and say, you get all the money except for what it takes to run the place. Doctors are like, really? Nobody's done that for me in this industry. I'm like, why not? Well, because of greed. There's greed. I mean, it's greed. It's stupid. I mean, really, there's enough patients out there for all of us. There's enough customers out there no matter what we do. Again, like I said, a market share. We've got a huge market share in this state. McDonald's doesn't have the market share. Starbucks doesn't. Nobody has the market share we do. And people really need to, you know, really consider that and think about that and say, and, and I, I, I mean, obviously, I get some, you know, discussions with people about it. And I can understand where they're coming from. They're like anybody else in any other business. They will whore themselves off for anything. And they don't care how long it lasts. They're just in it fly by night. I don't see anybody in this room that's fly-by-night. I really don't. I don't see anybody that's ever come to our meetings that's been fly-by-night. I see a lot of professionals and people that want to do the right thing. I want to impose that statewide, obviously. We've got other chapters at MMGA that are pissed off. They, don't have, they have no direction, no leadership, no... I mean, because they're passive. You go to Missoula, people are like, wow, dude, there's no problems here. There's a huge problem there. Huge problem. They could screw it up for all of us. For one, Jason Chris is there. The newly elected sheriff thinks we're all a crock of shit. That's the truth. That's out of his mouth. So, in Bozeman, same thing, passive. Billings, they can't get anything together because people are afraid. Great Falls, people are afraid. It's, a, it's up to us. We are the leading chapter. 
We are. And it's up to us to come up with the ideas to help the other chapters out so how they can have their meetings. How they can, We don't put community service announcements in the paper. I just email people when we have our meetings. And they only have a pretty good turnout. Great Falls, two people they'll have. Billings, three people. Billings. And Billings has, that's the fourth largest market if you look at the statistics of Billings. Okay, fourth largest market. It's actually the second largest market but because they don't count the patients that live in the Dakotas and Wyoming because you can have an out-of-state ID and become a patient here. It's misinformation. I tell that to people. They didn't know. I didn't know until a couple weeks ago when I went to Billings. I go, what? Most of your patients are from Wyoming? He goes, oh, yeah. What? Damn. I need a billboard in Coeur d'Alene, right? You know? Obviously not. We're not going to do that. But that's there. So I'm going to help you guys out. You help everybody else out. Anything I learn, you learn. You know, we know this. We don't want, because one thing is, another thing about, I mean, it's funny, the misinformation that is out there. It gives us a bad image. You got one person in dispensary saying, the whole thing's done in January. Why? Well, that's when the legislation ends. What? <laughs> you know, really. But you can ask Quinn. We see it all the time. It's amazing. And that hurts our image because it makes us look stupid. I'm sorry, but it does. We've got to know what's going on. And if we don't know, we just don't talk about it. That's just it. Um, <clears throat> another problem with image is the overstock. Anybody that knows how to grow marijuana, knows what to do with six plants per card, is going to produce over twice as much as what we need if we're doing it right. That's what we're finding now. It's been a year since most people have been growing, and it's crazy. Okay, I had a board meeting, we had a board meeting, an MMGA board meeting uh, last week. This guy I know, his name came up by four different members from all over the state. This dude's been calling, he's been calling me too. I know who he is. Quinn and I are like, oh, we know who he is. So after the meeting, I'm like, dude, really? I go, he goes, well, what's going on? I go, everybody knows who you are. You're asking if we, I go, he goes, well, what? I go, they think you're a cop. How stupid are you? I mean, to be honest, if you want to get rid of your product, and, you know, whatever. You're, you're, you're able to do that, but you've got to be intelligent about it. We know. Everybody knows they have too much right now. We can't go out there and say, you know what? Why, why do I have too much? Why am I going to go out and, you know, try to, I'm going to speak to everybody, try to offload this to everybody. You've got to have the brains to know that that's what's going on. So you've got to have the brains to be able to either wait, make food out of it, which is what I suggest to people. I go, make the food. Just make food. Make people edibles like out of it. People like the edibles. And people love the edibles. Yeah. And a lot of these people that are just into the product, they're not seeing the whole picture. And how to basically, you know, say if you've got the, all this problem, you know, you can't look at it as like all this money I'm losing. You can, you can never look at it that way. That's not a way to look at any industry. You've got to look at the problem that exists and fix it. Instead of just, you know, going hell-bent to every dispensary, everybody out there. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just not, it's image, again. It's not good. And that goes with the language, how you express yourself, how you say it. I, we go to dispensaries all the time. We'll sit in an office in Billings. Good example. Somebody comes in and says, hey, I got half a pound. How much? A thousand bucks. Get out of here. It's good. I don't care. It's like, this isn't how we should be doing this. This isn't how we're supposed to be doing it. This is, re this is ridiculous. You never know who's around, but there's people out there that act like there's no law around. But nobody's getting watched. Well, I want everybody to act like they are being watched. Because regardless if you're in this industry or not, treat your life like you're being watched. You just don't go out and do stupid things all the time. I mean, this is stupid. It's not helping us. So we're going to see a need for brokers. We're going to need middlemen. We're going to see a need for delivery service. We're going to see all these needs, but let's let them build up and happen. And let's, let, let's make sure it's done right, because we've got this legislative session that's going to happen, and we cannot risk anything going wrong during this. Our image is, needs to be impeccable. It needs to be absolutely impeccable, 
from from everybody because we don't, especially from here. Because my plan for the, this valley, because we do have the best, I think, group in the MMGA. I think if not the state, we've got some great growers here, people that really know what they're doing. We've been in so many grows around Montana, and we've seen great grows. I have not seen the quality in any one area that we have. And I'm going to tell you, I do know most of the people. I, I probably know more people in this industry than any one person just because of the legwork we put in. Over 10,000 miles in 28 days. Not bad. You know, I mean, crazy. But not bad. And I will relay any information I have, which I'm doing now, which we do at every meeting, because it's important that you guys know. It's important that you spread it to your friends in other chapters or just in other whatever, you know, just so we all know we're on that same page. Um, and it's all how we word it. It's all how we present ourselves. And I think everybody knows what I'm talking about, you know. The financials for the MMGA... Everybody's asking, where's the money? And I understand people are getting mad. They're like, what's my 150 bucks for? This and that, whatever, you know. When I'm traveling the state and I talk about people, I go, listen, okay, I understand you're mad about your $150. But wouldn't you give $150 just to help? Wouldn't you? I mean, just wouldn't you? You don't even have to be attached to anything. Look at it as a donation. Who cares? We put on a symposium that impressed the state of Montana and it impressed the country. Really impressive. We're in the hole. The MMG is $160 into the negative right now. Once we have more members, we're going to get into the positive. It will keep growing. But for now, we are in the hole. The state or chapter? The state. The whole thing. Yeah. Um, other chapters are starting fundraising. Um, and one guy in the Bitterroot, actually a bar, wants to donate a dollar every pint on their pint nights, which is popular and stuff. Uh, we are really, we were kind of like, what? Oh, like, you know, there's eight of us on the phone, on a conference call going, and you could hear everybody, no, why? You know, what else can we do? How about a dollar every turkey that's sold at a grocery store for Thanksgiving? I don't know anything. But to be honest, our culture does coincide with that microbrew mm-hmm. culture. It, re- it really does. And if you've got, play, like, you know, you don't want, you know, we don't want to be associated with the alcohol. I mean, we know the alcohol is against us anyway. I mean, that's the truth. But the microbrews really aren't. They're not the lobby. Miller Bud, those people are, you know. These people want to help us, and they see our sense of community because they know serving alcohol, they've got to have a sense of community, and they've got to help out in their communities as well. I mean, and they do. So why don't we? Like, that's what the conclusion we got to is let's try it here and see how it works. And if it works, good. You know what I mean? That 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 is good. But we've got to come up with other ways. Like, we're all able to, you know, come up with ideas and how to fundraise. And it is all time. It's delegation of duties. Who could do it? You know what I mean? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Um, you know, if somebody knows somebody has a business that would donate a percentage or something, I think my ski shop, we're going to work something out there where we can donate, donate a certain percentage to, our, to the MMGA because we do need some money. We Any idea need... what it costs to do a phone campaign? Yeah, I, well... Nothing if you can use your cell phone and you can do yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think you know what? You know, if it, actually if we all I mean, got the together cops do it and, uh, No they do. Oh yeah, no, the Sheriff's Association they, all, they, they all do it. I get calls from them all the time. They all do it. I think if we There's all a cost get, to do that. Well, I don't it's just hiring somebody like with the with the police association, like the well, guy that they calls firms that do it. Right. Well uh, but the Sheriff's Association, they just got a the one guy that calls. You know, he just sits and calls. Yeah, I mean, and I think it, that wouldn't be a bad idea if we could network. We would. What we would have to do is network every patient that we all have statewide within the MMGA. Put them on one list, which can't would almost that. be impossible. Yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> but 
it'd be a, I mean, no, it'd be why like, just stay to the patients? I mean, you know. No, no, right, right. But the patients would be a good start. I don't right. know who else. I mean, if I don't know how to really approach it with. Open um, the phone book. Just open the phone book and call. That's what the sheriff does. No, that is. I know, and they guilt you into it. Uh-huh. I asked, I always them, think I asked them for a letter of recognition from uh, their higher-ups. And they say, stop shooting at us, Bill. Right. <laughs> well, I just ask them to acknowledge what we're doing is okay. And if, yeah. if they're willing to send me a letter, well, I'll donate to the sheriff's deal. Well, we gotta, they never do. No, 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 no. Well, like the bank that won't give, doesn't want to keep my loan because I'm growing marijuana in the house. And I said, where's the letter telling me you can't do that? They will not give me that letter. Because right. they know that I will give that right to my attorney. So they're trying to, you know, whatever. That's they're not about... You. Yeah, yeah, right. Not me. It's funny. Well, I was just saying, maybe that's something we should look into is what... This phone, phone call, campaign, phone campaign, yep. cost. Phone know? campaign that we basically... Because they were just calling, you know, in, in the major metropolis areas. They were just randomly calling and asking for $5, $10 donations. You know, like you said, there's at least ten yeah, percent of the people out there that support us. They really do. No, they know? really do. So if uh, how about this? You know, how about we one somebody ten calls if we somebody got a makes a nice looking flyer like like this kind of flyer, you know, or whatever, like for bands or whatever, you know, events that says support medical marijuana industry, support the MMGA. Here's where to donate, maybe something like that. You know, we can. Hopefully work on that in next meeting, you know. But anyway, from now until then, think about it, you know. Like, that's, we, you know, the phone thing, whatever. Putting flyers around. You don't see enough about marijuana in that light, and you should, you know, obviously. Because, you know, we're doing this, we're all a team. And we know we have the supporters, we just have to go and find them, for sure. For sure. Is there a donate button on the website for that? I don't even know, man. That's that website pisses me off. Yeah, that's I think we're going to go ahead and make a new website. PayPal. No, yeah, that's how we, yeah. That, once that's set up, that's exact. I think once that's set up, too, we will get the donation. And Heidi wants everyone to know that there's 25 days. Till the legislative session. <laughs> Thank you, Heidi. She's jumping up and down. I know, she's going crazy. Yeah. So, it, um... The uh, Nurses Association does not support the current marijuana statute. Um, it's it, one lady from the association. I can't remember her name. Heidi probably knows. She'll probably text it in. Basically said it's toxic, addicting, and terrible. You know, and this was put in their newsletter. I mean, really ridiculous. You know, I, I hate. It's just crazy. It's but it's really ridiculous. But this is the, the this is what's out there. This is somebody's this is somebody's opinion that has never basically smoked marijuana or ever knew anybody that did. Because we know that's incredibly insane to sit there and say it's addicting and toxic and terrible. I mean, we just know that. We know because we just know. And that's all we need to know, you know? I mean, you know. Yeah, you're um, not educated. Well, no, that's it. I mean, that's the thing. One doctor in Whitefish said, I am not going to prescribe anything that makes you fat and gives you cancer. He actually said that to a patient of ours. And I've told you this before. It is amazing. That's amazing. You know, isn't a doctor held to standards? Okay. I would, I would assume, and they are, and we've got doctors in Montana that say this, that it, for the Nurses Association to come out and say they don't, you know, it's fine. We don't really support the current statute either, okay? Basically, we don't support it either because it's crazy. So there's need for regulation. Why is she calling? Tell Heidi not to call me. I'm, really, I'm having a meeting. She says the nurse thing is a very sensitive subject, mm. and that may be it. Of course it is. Yeah, maybe the nurse, nurses are overly yeah, sensitive. We talked about that all the more. We talked about it on the show. That's straight from my mom's yeah. mouth. She's a 50-year-old nurse that runs home health care. 
You know, you feel like we're stepping on their toes. Here's and here's one right. thing. Yeah. That just like Miss Sands and the word caregiver. Right. Yep. Yep. And I understand. I understand it because there's a degree to where we aren't fooling anybody. Okay. We believe simply that medical marijuana is more beneficial to you and your body than ibuprofen is. Right. That any single medi- ma- medication that is manufactured in a factory, we know damn well what we put in our bodies is a hell of a lot better than that. That's all we need to know. If the nurses don't want to agree, and listen, there are plenty of nurses. I would bet 70% in the medical profession believe us. They understand. They're afraid of, they're afraid of saying anything. And being lambasted for that. You There's know? a lot of nurses that actually started being caregivers. Oh, yeah. No doubt. And that are patients. But you've got a, a small percentage with the voice. Mm-hmm. And all it takes is one statement. And then everybody associates everybody in the nursing industry with that one statement. Just like everybody associates everybody in our industry with Jason Christ or Michael Smith. Because they're vo- vocal, they're out there, and they're moronic. I mean, that's just it. So uh, I think with the Nurses Association... We don't worry about it because we know they're only one, they're one one organization out of a few that are against us that have a few people that like to say how bad this is. Apparently, it's been taken care of. Oh, and I'm sure they've hit. They, she took care she of it. Sent she a said a lot of letters out. She, well, took, she said she took care of it. So we will that. see. <laughs> um, anyway, we're talking about we were talking about before fundraising and the delegation of duties, and I wish that. Oh, what is her name? Um, Miguel's wife. It was not my duty. No. I forgot her name. But anyway, I'm going to call her or email her later. Because we were talking about having somebody talking to retirement homes. We know that Pfizer, we know that all the other drug companies, we know they all do that. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking to her. She wants to talk to everybody. Okay, talk. Hey, guys. Hello? Don't say her name because we don't even know her name. <laughs> so we're not going after her. Okay, well, we're delegating, so we'll delegate that to you. Okay, thank you, Heidi. Um, so we already talked about the donations, the community involvement. I went over that. Networking. That's And Jimmy... You know, obviously, is the networker, the master networker. And if anybody's not networked with Jimmy on Facebook, definitely network with Jimmy One Green Thumb because he'll keep you up to date on everything, almost by the minute, which is sweet. <laughs> but any ideas, I like, that's one thing, Jimmy, that's what I, I delegate to you as a volunteer. Any ideas that any of us have, go right to Jimmy because he's going to get it out there. He's going to tell me, he'll tell anybody else that needs to be told. Because any good idea that we have... If we don't write it down, text it to us, do something, because we can't let any of it go. I'm that guy. If I don't remember it, or if, I, you know, if it's a good idea, I better write it down. Because I'll be the guy that two hours later will be like, holy shit, I had the best idea in the world, and I can't remember it. It happens to all of us, you know? But, and let's finish. I want to finish this with the misinformation about what Quinn and I see every day, pretty much every day. How do we get everybody on the same page? I mean, how in the world, because we have our meetings... We are a very small percentage of the people in this valley that are doing this. 
And I can go into almost, and I can name the places I go into where they really don't know the law. And how in the world you can be in this business without knowing the law is beyond me. I mean, it is. It should be scary. I mean, it should be really scary. It should be a copy of it on the counter. Yeah. Well, they, yeah. Well, yes. Without yeah, well, just because they have a copy, don't mean they know what it yeah, says. Read it. But like, okay, so we, like I said, there's a lot of people out there that that think that this is all over on Jan- in January. You right. Know? And somehow, I mean, and some people don't want to be told. You know, uh, one lady we were at in Hamilton went into her dispensary. She says. I don't have any money. I don't know what to do. I'm going to pay $100,000 in taxes. Did you know that? There's not a single write-off in this business. I'm looking around her store, and all I can see are write-offs. I'm like, damn it. And I said, you know, you know, she, she was one of these that all about the patients, and you know how I'm helping these sick people, and I'm doing this. I go, your eyes are bloodshot. You don't open your store till noon, and you're telling me you're medical. Bullshit, lady. Stop hurting us, okay? Just stop hurting this industry, please. Come down to earth, you know? For one, stop telling people you're paying $100,000 in income tax, because you're not. Where's your Mercedes? What the, where, you drive a helicopter here? I mean, really, you know? But this is a lady that's spouting her mouth off, okay? It, you can spout your mouth off when you know what you're talking about. That, I excel at that. Everybody knows that. I think that somebody like that needs to be educated. And maybe not by me, you know, because we clashed right away. Um, we went to a guy's store in Missoula again. I come in there, and he says, you know, this whole thing is done in January. And I'm like, so why do you believe that? Well, because the regulations will be in place, and now you've got to have two doctor recommendations. None of my patients can grow for more than five people. I'm like, dude, this hasn't happened yet. And it happens a couple times in each city. Wherever I go, I've got to educate these people. It hasn't happened. If you want that to happen, then keep your mouth shut and just sit here and worry about it without doing something. Because it takes you doing something. It takes you writing that letter. It takes you going to a meeting. I don't give a shit if you don't like the MMGA. Go to the meeting. At least you're going to know what's going on because everybody that leads these meetings, they're intelligent people. They do know the industry. I trust everybody in this organization. I really do. I really do. Except for... (laughs) Watch Chester. Anyway, with... I don't know, again, this is another thing. I don't know how we're going to do it, but we have to do it. We have to let our brothers know what's right and what's wrong. It's not over January 1st. It might get a hell of a lot better for us. It might not change at all. If you're going to ask me if I'm a betting man, I would say it's not changing right now because they're going to have 20 bills brought out to them. They're going to shelve them all. They're going to be confused and say the hell with it. And you know what's going to happen? None of us are going to make any mistakes. It's going to get better. We're going to keep regulating ourselves to the point where Hopefully, they're not going to need to do much regulation. Well, that won't stop them. But it won't stop them. No, <laughs> no. I mean, and we've got a bill. The MGA is a bill. Patients and Families United have a few bills. Normal has a few bills. I mean, everybody's got these bills, you know. And you know, there's good parts, bad parts, and whatever, and some no parts, no sense, you know. Um, like even that MGA's bill. Like I talked to our director, and he says, "Well, we shouldn't be paying any taxes ever. No fees, no nothing." It's, we're paying income tax. I go, maybe you are, but I'm telling you 80% of this injury is not paying their full income tax. They, they, we're, they're not stupid, neither are we, okay? I don't think it's a good idea to say, just let us pay our income tax. I don't think that's a great idea because they're not going to trust that. That's just how it is. So how do we come up with a, a, a fair plan? Like, what do we do? What, I mean, and this is, these questions will all be asked, you know, January, February, March. I mean, it's, it's going to be... It'll be insane. But these, a lot of these questions are very hard to answer. That's where I see the deadlock. That's where I, I, I don't see much. I mean, 
I don't know how they can come up with something that's going to stick and that everybody's going to agree. I mean, obviously not everybody's going to agree on everything, but with all these bills coming in, all it does is, and, and these people making the decisions aren't as educated as we are. We know that. So they look at something, a brand new bill, and they read something, they go, oh, shit, I never thought of that. All right, back to the drawing board. What do we do about this now? I mean, that is how it happens, you know, and that's where I see the deadlock. I hope not. I hope, I hope something that goes out and helps us all. We know, I, like I said, I think Skype is necessary because of how rural Montana is. We can't have two doctors giving a recommendation. I think the medical board examiners already said no to that. No, they've already, yeah, they've they don't want that. They don't, they're not the five, the five patient limit, I say, keep the five patient limit, but have other options for that caregiver to be able to grow more. Because that five patient limit is about controlling. It's about regulation. They think that if they make it a dispensary system, they can re- regulate it easier. <sighs> you know, that's, I guess I can see it. But again, Montana is very rural. How many of us that are caregivers that want to be expand their businesses but rely on other patients of theirs to grow product to get from them? It happens. It's a lot. And you start restricting those people, you start kind of hurting the industry a little bit. You hurt the good people. We don't want to make, because if you transition, if you go to a date and say, listen, you can only have five patients as of this date. That's going to throw a big wrench in it. So we got to come up with an intelligent argument for that. We really right. do. You know what I mean? And I think we've got one. I think the ruralness of Montana is our best argument. But we can come up with better ones, you know, without a doubt. Um, I think that if anybody has, a, you know, something to say, always know your facts. It's always better not say anything. Even for me, it's tough for me to close my mouth ever. I mean, it's so tough. And... I'll get out, go off on a tangent, and then I'll start speaking, and I don't even know what the hell I'm saying. I know I'm not, I even know I'm not right, but I can't shut up because I'm so mad at that person I'm debating with, you know. And normally I'll get loud or domineering enough where I win anyway, you know. Or they just like think may I can think I win. That's what she says. They I just think I win. They walk away. So whatever, you know. I'm getting a lot better at that. I really am though, and I think we all have to get a lot better at that because you can't stop learning. You know, you really can't stop learning about this. I talk about Kushkan, and I tell everybody, go, go to Kushkan. Well, you sell ads for a magazine. Listen, man, I have a ski shop. And when I started going to that ski show, because I always said, I don't need to go to a ski show. Why am I paying money to go to Vegas or Denver, wherever it is, and do all this, and be cool, and be seen, or whatever? Once I start figuring it out, I'm like, oh, my God, I make way more money every time I go to a trade show. Every year I go to a trade show, I find something else to make more money on. It betters my business. I wouldn't be here right now if I never, if I just didn't break down and start going to a trade show. I mean, it really helps. This trade show, three times bigger than the ski show. And you know why? Because there's a hundred times more money in marijuana than there is in the ski industry. I mean, this show right now will only get bigger every six months. <laughs> Kushkan will happen every six months. And it will get bigger and bigger and bigger. And where is it at? Denver. In Denver this year? You don't or know? Right well, yeah, I know. Okay, I just, all right. It's in yeah. May next year. In May? I have my notes. May. May is the worldwide Kushcon. Oh. Again, though, it's a networking tool where we have the information we need. We've got the knowledge. We're educated more. We can go to battle knowing more than we knew the day before. That's very important for all of us. I mean, again, knowing the law, knowing what's right, what's wrong. And a lot of it's common sense, isn't it? Like the guy's talking about in our board meeting that everybody knew his name. I'm like, dude, they think you're a cop. You're screwed now. <laughs> You know, you can't have everybody, you know, that because he didn't really know. He didn't really think about it. It's very important to think about things. Like, I'm the guy that if I have an argument with somebody, it might take a month until that comes out. But I thought about it for 30 days, and now I know what I'm talking about. Sometimes it takes that long. We've got to use that. We really have to use that. I mean, and that's all about, I guess, 
yeah, I guess you could call it self-regulation with yourself, you know. We, I mean, I guess that's where it probably starts. I mean, you got to kind of, you know, think about your argument, think about what's against you and how to not beat it, not just win, but to come to a, um, an agreement, uh, a middle point. Because it can't be all about winning. And I know, coming from me, that, that sounds hard to believe because I like to debate and win. I really do. I enjoy that, you know. But... I think now I'm seeing what really will help is coming to an agreement and not about winning or losing, just coming to an agreement. Because there's so many people that are against us. That's what makes me mad. Like, that's when I start fighting and debating. And, it's, and it's, so then it turns into me being right. And then I end up making somebody mad or I'm real mad or whatever. I'm learning that, you know what? Like, this lady this is a good example. A great example. I was in Billings. And I came, I went to a dispensary and I said, um, I was sort of talking about dispensary. She goes, well, wait a second. Dispensaries aren't legal. I go, all right. So why? Because you're dispensing to anybody. I go, where does it say that? She goes, listen, you'll go out of business. They'll stop your business if you're a dispensary. I go, lady, there's 120 dispensaries we know of in Montana. Well, they're not called dispensaries. I go, no, half of them are. I go, anybody that calls their business pharmacy has gotten cease and desist orders, Okay. Not one dispensary in this state has gotten a cease and desist order. Okay? Not one. Okay, not, not anybody that's called themselves a dispensary. She, and this is her misinformation. I mean, I got real mad at her. I'm so mad. I'm like, lady, shut up, you know. But, I mean, and Quinn and I do a good job. We left. It was nice because I basically calmed it down. I said, listen, let's just agree to disagree. But please, before you tell us anybody else, read the complete law. Call me anytime you want. We'll talk about it. But read the law and look under dispensary in the dictionary. Then look under pharmacy. You determine the difference before you talk to anybody else about it. And she appreciated that, and it was cool. And we left on that note. And I want to stress to other people that if I can do it, that, you know, kind of calm a situation down, because I'm definitely the igniter. I'm not the calmer, normally. But I'm becoming that person because it's necessary. In this game, it's totally necessary. You know, I don't know. I mean, it really is. So let's do some questions and answers, and then Steve is going to talk from Grizzly Security. Anybody have any questions? Any ideas? So with the whole video thing, are they are they going to write it to where they ban just Skype? Because then someone is going to just go get a Cisco system and <laughs> right, yeah, right, right. Like, right, are they banning the protocol? teleconference? They probably they yeah the teleconference, yeah teleconference. And right now, I think you know, like I said, I guess he's still doing it, and certain other people are. Who is he? Jason, Chris, and you know, and and people are still using his service, which if it's working, it's working. But to be honest, if there's another medium, because here's one deal: this is what Jason's doing. What everybody does, just cheapen the whole thing, and you'll get the masses. Okay, we know why Walmart's very popular because it's cheap. Jason's very cheap, very popular. Problem is, he's either forging documents, paying a doctor to sign blank documents. We know we've all read the news. It's mm. bad. It's idiotic, you know, and we need to let them know, let people know we are not in support of Jason Christ. We are not in support of how he operates. We have to stop letting people in the media and just in public in general saying, you're all like Jason Christ, you know, being associated with him. We're all that bad. We're all, you know, this wrench, and we're not. We really aren't. I mean, one guy can really screw something up. Isn't it amaze everybody? I mean, so they're going to say some guy in a camera. They're yeah. going to say, "Well, we need it because it's rural." They're going to say, "Just tell the doctors to start making house calls like they did back in the 1800s yeah, right. when everything was rural." Right? You know? No shit. No, I, 
Well, because their whole thing, they're not, they're, it's not the numbers of how many people you can pump through a teleconference real quick. Like at that point, you're just x ray scanning, you know? Right. If they, they want it to be a, a real full if we on, can, If we can prove that it won't be exploited, that's what we have to do. Right, but any system gets exploited. I know. Yeah. Well, just like, hey, just trust us to pay our income tax. I yeah, mean, right. that's a tough one, you know? I mean, I mean, that's really. Why Monopoly has go to jail on it. Yeah, that's why you can have a bank account somewhere nice and beautiful. But is that honestly? Is that going to hurt anybody in here? Like, is anybody what? relying on the Skype? No, I don't think. It, well, I no, don't I don't think it hurts anybody. I don't even recommend it. It's just the pe- it's just the people out there that says, you know what? I know I can go there and get my card. It's no problem. Right. That that's what's hurting us. Right. That is really hurting us because why did why did you approach doctors that we know and clinics that we know of? You know why? Because it costs twenty more dollars. What? Again, just about like somebody complains about the money they gave the MMGA. I'm like, you know what? We had one symposium. You should pay 150 bucks if you're if you are in this industry. You should give us 150 bucks to put on a symposium where there's no marijuana. There's only professional companies there that are that rent the booths, and we have professional speakers. We have lawyers, insurance agents, doctors, and legislators. Speaking to the public, going to the, this is why it's worth 150 bucks. You know, going to a real doctor might cost you 20 or 30 bucks more, but you have a relationship with a real doctor. You know, I mean, it's simple as that. It's kind of like, I mean, I don't know. That's it's it. It, it makes sense to me. I don't know. I don't know. I have a question. Um, last night we were talking about testing for THC levels. Yeah. Go to do that. If you want, I'll take any sample to Bozeman. Um, he's got a deal worked out with me up here. If I take it, it's 80 bucks. Normally, like, I think Rose in Missoula is about 120. And if she give it, will give a deal, I'll work with her too. But Noel Palmer at, um, Montana Botanical, Botanical Analysis. They got he's a website. He's the guy that spoke in Helena. He yep, he spoke, he was one of the speakers. And he spoke a couple times. He's very intelligent. He's got his PhD. We're lucky to have him in Montana, if you ask me, definitely. Um, and if... I mean, that is something that, you know, he is finding the popularity now. And it's because if, again, we can have as many arguments we want as how medical this is, how much culture is involved. If you believe in the medical aspects of it, if it is medical, like the state, like my conversation with Mark Long, top narcotics officer in the state, I've got a strain that we bred ourselves that has the highest amount of the THVN cannabinoid that fights epilepsy. Nobody else has anything in this state that they bred themselves that's as high as the strain that we have until somebody gets something that they bred tested. You know, that's what has to happen more. That's how we prove that you you have to have caregiver to caregiver. You are the ones making it medicine. You are not legalizing it like alcohol. So if it is medicine, it needs to be treated like medicine. We need to express the importance of that. And that means allowing us to grow more than six plants. Because if we're going to experiment and crossbreed, which we are, we can do a hell of a lot more of it and do a better job if we're allowed to. I mean, that's the truth, you know? So, and I think that, I, I, I like Mark Long said, Ed, I never really saw it that way. I'm like, I'm very surprised that nobody's really approached you with that, you know? But we're a young industry. There's a lot of things we don't, people we don't know who to talk to or how to express our opinions or what we think is right. But I do believe that if it is, and it is medical, and I'll tell you, we all know how medical it is. We know how we can we can manipulate THC into almost any form to help almost anything. It is amazing, and we know it. And we need to make sure everybody else knows it. I mean, that's the bottom line. I mean, it's not, uh, I mean, if, again, for us, we know it, but we, got, but we can't be very passive about it because a lot of people don't know it, really. 
Like some of that passiveness is people assuming everybody else knows. That's exactly it. Like yeah. I've been that guy for a long time, you know, I've never really hidden much of anything, you know, and that's how I live. And I live by complete honesty to put, I mean, it kills people. It kills my girlfriend for sure. Always has. But that's how I live. I mean, it is. And I, I want, I mean, and, but that makes me very passive and very ignorant to what the law actually is to my surroundings. You know, I've, I've embarrassed people around me plenty of times by my own actions, by me not thinking it's right or wrong. Like, you know, not the, you know, screw you attitude, just the, I'm me, accept it, you know, or not, you know, I mean, and, and that's, it makes me passive. And I think we do have a lot of that in this. Right. And, and it is about education, educating ourselves and saying, all right, okay, I know I'm not doing the right thing right now. You know, I mean, really, I do that a lot lately. I mean, it's crazy, but I know I'm doing the right thing for this industry. You know, by educating myself, by biting my tongue, by having intelligent arguments, you know, um, debates, whatever you call them. But, and expressing to the powers that be how important this is. We know, I, like I said before, and I'll say it again, I'm going to keep saying it. Every single day, there are hundreds of people in Montana that lives are touched positively by marijuana. I am not lying. It is hundreds, and it is every day. It's amazing. People that have never thought, uh, my, one of my latest patients would have never, ever smoked marijuana or tried it or even considered it. Her doctor's been trying to get around it for three years. He hasn't given a recommendation to anybody. She says, I will not. Well, her husband, it, uh, I, he, he runs a bank, and we have a relationship. And uh, I gave him some tincture. And he says, I says, now, this is mine. I'm going to leave in your office like I forgot it, you know. Because obviously he's 70, he's worried, you know, but he's very worried more about his wife. And that made me feel awesome. And when I got a letter from her, I felt awesomer because she thinks I'm God. I mean, she was like, I cannot believe this. I cannot believe that I can put this in my coffee in the morning and I can throw away my water tabs. And I can dance. Mm -hmm. I'm 67. I've got arthritis in my feet so bad for 20 years. I've been on so many pills that I've got kidney and pancreas, all all problems with everything. Mm-hmm. Now she feels better than ever. It's been four weeks now that she's been taking t- the tincture. Her whole body, her whole life has changed. Her psyche, everything. Her husband's super happy. He runs a bank, so it's got to be good for me somehow. <laughs> somehow. <laughs> we'll see. I made 540 bucks last month. <laughs> I need him. But <laughs> Anybody else? Yeah, I just wanted to bring up a couple of points. About the Skype thing, I don't know if you remember this, I was back in Maine when the whole Oxycontin epidemic first exploded, and they've always, back then, they made hay and gave it bad press because uh, online doctors are still to this day using Skype to prescribe Oxycontin and just about anything. Anything. Anybody. And it just blew away from the media. They forgot to even talk about it, and it's still going on, and as you know, it's even worse now. And for that reason... I don't think they're going to be able to write it out of the law because it's not illegal to teleconference with a doctor. Right, and that's probably a point that needs to be brought up is are you just, you know, okay, fine, Skype, no more, but no more for anybody. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's no exactly more it. for anybody. Just right. like... You know, Skype is done. You can't just use... Just like the two-doctor recommendation. You do well, you better have two-doctor recommendations for everything then, too. For your you know, blood pressure medicine yep. and your kidney infection medicine. Exactly. All that. No. Yeah. Because yeah. it's necessary. I mean, that's a, that's a valid argument. It is. It, it, it really, really is. is. They've had double standards before that wants to... Well, yeah. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're right. So right. They're all yeah, right. They can't discriminate against this one prescription because, you know... They can't. No, they can't. We can't allow them to. They can't say prescription because 
it's not. Recommendation. Recommendation. And it's, but actually, in the Nelson decision, the Supreme Court of the state said that it was intended to be treated as any other legal prescription. So was it? We may not be able to say the word prescription, but the law of the land said that this is not to be treated any other way. There's only two uh, medical marijuana cases that made it to the Supreme Court of Montana, and they're both online. Right, right. Yep. The Nelson decision, we gained so much ground with that one. I did have one other point, too. I had originally thought that, you know, the regulations they had lined up, it was going to be a big change of the battlefield uh, next year with the five-patient limit and things like that. But then I looked at the statistics that came out last week, uh, you know, about the statewide distribution. And 90% of uh, caregivers have 10 or less patients. So they make it a five-patient limit. The person gives five of his patients to his spouse. They don't have or to a friend at all, and nothing changes. Exactly, so it can't. That can't. They, well could that's exactly right. Even with the changes, and I think that that's a really good argument that we bring up too with these statistics and the real statistics. You know, a lot of times, I mean, it's funny, but the I mean, the statistics are out there, but you can a lot of people can put out any statistic they want on the web on the internet, you know, and or in the newspaper. Or wherever, and it, you know we can. It can be skewed pretty easily. I mean, but yeah, if you can do a poll, anybody could. <laughs> exactly. I mean, oh. and, uh, <laughs> it's I true. I know it's you true. Know, Mine are real, could. but yeah, we could. In those statistics, it said there was nine people on the program who were over ninety years of age. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, That's really cool. <laughs> and the under eighteen only went up to like 54? 55. 55, yeah. yeah. In a month? And that's another thing. This two mi- the misinformation. I had the opportunity to ask Sherry Brady on the radio show from Billings. I go, Sherry, I gotta ask you, and I told you guys this last meeting, I think, how many do you think are under eighteen, you know, I have medical marijuana? And she goes, Well, if your statistics are true, it's not that big of a problem. The problem is she's putting flyers on people's doorknobs and billings that there are hundreds of kids in our high schools on medical marijuana. They act like there was no black market before medical marijuana. It's right. it's amazing. Right. Why? Why are these soccer moms so against us? I don't, I just, I, you know, but honestly. Because it's not their brother doing it. I blame it. Needs. If it was their brother uh-huh, doing it, probably. then it'd be okay. Then it'd be okay. Right. Exactly. No, Same exactly. way with a lot of these legislatures. If it was someone in their own family circle doing it, they wouldn't be so gung-ho to make any regulations. Exactly. Exactly. You know? That is it. That's it. I mean, it's up to. So either one, we've got to find out who is involved and expose them, which can be dangerous. Yes. Well, that's exactly. Well, we know who's involved with the propaganda. It is safe. I mean, you know, you don't want to risk a handful of nurses' jobs in the valley, even though I know for a fact there's like eight nurses that are caregivers. How many teachers are in the program? A lot. A lot of, of teachers are in the program. How many high school football coaches, basketball coaches? Right. Track coaches. I so, mean, you know, where's, where's that fine put, line? I mean, if I could put my list of patients out for the public to see, right. this would be legal in a heartbeat. If right. we all could do that, this would be legal now. Right. What are we going to do about that? This would be legal right now if we could put a list of the 25,000 people that have their medical marijuana recommendations in this state. I mean, they're sharing You'd shit wives. your pants if you knew who yeah. the hell had their medical yeah. marijuana recommendations. That's our big problem is PR. They only see, they put the stoner image forth and they don't know that most of the people who use this are average normal right. citizens. Yep, business people. Right. I mean, it's amazing. like Irv Rosenfeld. He's a stockbroker that deals with millions of, do- millions of dollars a day. He has nine ounces a month that we pay for. Mm-hmm. You know how many people outside this room know that? Maybe a handful in the whole county, if not the state. I go to every dispensary. Every dispensary. Talk about what I know. These people don't know who the hell Irv Rosenfeld is. They don't give a shit. 
Why I'm should like, they? Yeah, exactly. We gotta give them shit. a reason to give a shit. Yeah, exactly. Right? Well, that's the thing. The people that are passive, they're, they're the people that don't give a shit. That's it. They're, yeah, it's and they drunk. don't. There's a reason. Like, what more do you need? He's been doing this since before most of us were born. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. Right. I know. And it's bad that nobody knows, you know? I mean, it is. And again, it's the misinformation, the passiveness, people not caring. I think that, again, we can't go out publicly tell people who our patients are. Nope. But the state can go out and publicly say how many there are. And if we ask them how many people are in Oxycontin, they say, well, we can't do that. We can't tell you how many people are taking Oxycontin in Montana. Well, why not? Because they don't know. Because everyone's doing <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> no shit. But the black market for Oxycontin has gotten a lot bigger than marijuana. That's the goddamn truth. And how do we stop that? By asking them how many people are getting their prescriptions. Well, Montana doesn't have a prescription monitoring program. Well, hey, Montana's how about we explain why first? Why we don't have a prescription hey, monitoring no, program? No, why Oxycontin abuse is worse than mar- marijuana abuse. Yeah, you're right. Explaining why. Well, for one, you can't smell it when it's being used, right? You can do it in, in, you know, the, conf- in the confines of your jacket, for crying out loud. Yeah, right now. It's right. Because it hooks you in three days. It hooks you in three days, yeah. Well, um, you know, it's... The Maybe they need to know why it's more widely abused. It's easier. 150 since 2004. That was the statistical what has? Uh, no. Yeah, okay. Well, okay, but now if we look at the statistics for the program, that number's a lot worse. I mean, you know, we're talking in, you know, 2004, 2005, there was a handful of clientele. Right. Now, if you take that and multiply it up to, you know, 26,000 where it's at, right. well, that's a gain of how many thousand percent? Right. How many do you, you know? know yeah. Like too many. Program. Too many. The, yeah. The number of yeah. prescription pain medications prescribed in America in 1994 was like 22 million. In 2010, it was 327 million prescriptions. What in the <laughs> world? You're going to tell me that it's bad that we've got all these people on marijuana? <laughs> I mean, I, you have to laugh. It is, it's insane. You know, how many people do we know in this room that have been negatively affected by prescription drugs? Everybody raise their hand, okay? It's unbelievable. How many people negatively affected by marijuana? Maybe my dog, because I forgot to feed him a couple nights because it was yeah. on my couch, to be honest. You know what I mean? We, you know, I mean, it's funny, but... Oh, you're right. Probably Pete is outside going, oh, I got this one. <laughs> but seriously... We, we, this state has enough common sense. We've got enough people that vote with common sense, that think with common sense. We want to be left alone. I live in Colorado. I'm from Wisconsin. I'm here. You know why? Because I don't like lines. And I like common sense. I can't live in a place where everybody wants to be seen. I can't stand being somewhere like Boulder, Colorado, to be honest, okay? That's just why I'm here. That's why a lot of us are here. And we've got common sense. We know we do. And we know we've got a lot of intelligence and a, lot, and a very good argument for what we do. I mean, and again, the prescription drug companies are always going to be there. They're, ne- they're necessary. I'm not saying they're not necessary. I've been in a hospital a couple times with a broken back. I needed morphine, man. Really bad. You know what I mean? There's not enough marijuana I could smoke to where it would help. I know that, okay? But the abuse is rampant. The abuse is rampant. You say that we're abusing the medical marijuana system. You say that Mar- Montana's doing that. Montana's 250,000 people with arthritis. 200, uh, 25% of our state has arthritis. That's a pretty big number. How many of those people are on prescription painkillers? All of them. All, every one of them. Yeah, I mean, come on. Are we need the truth to be spread. We need to let people know that 25,000 people isn't that huge of a number. It is to McDonald's. It is to Starbucks. It is to big corporations. You know, it is to the alcohol lobby. You know, they don't want us taking any of their customers away. 
I can tell you right now how many alcoholics' lives would be saved if they weren't afraid of marijuana. That's a fact. I mean, Warren Springs, Montana has a rehab program. It's mandatory. Two years ago, none of them would say marijuana was any good. Now, <coughs> half of them saying, you know what? We see it. We can see it. It helps. Because they're reading the studies that they're forced to read. You have to read studies. You, the uh, AMA gives credits for studying medical marijuana for nurses. Who knows that? Nobody knows that. Half the nurses don't know that. They really don't know that. It takes Irv Rosenfeld, Heidi Hanford, these people, to start a new organization to let people know and get the word out that this is real. The federal government does acknowledge that it has medicinal properties. What happened uh, the other day? The AMA came out and said after 72 years, damn it, marijuana has medical properties. After 72 years. We're going to see a switch to Schedule 2 a lot sooner than we thought. You know why? Because billionaires want our money. That's the only reason. Billionaires want our money. That's why the AMA now says after 72 years, marijuana has medical properties. Well, you know what? Our government has a patent on cannabis. Mm-hmm. It has for, pay- for how long? We know that. Since 1970-whatever. Yeah. Once it got outlawed and went to Schedule 1, right away they patented it. I mean, come on. Nobody knows that. Why? Because it's not big news. It's not, you know, Ann Nicole Smith or whatever the hell is in the news all the time, you know? <laughs> this should be in the news. It's very popular, you know? I mean, it is, but it's just kind of taboo still. We're going to erase that. We're trying to erase that. And, we, and by erasing that, we're helping people. I mean, it is. We all know. We're all touched by it every day. We're amazed. I mean, I feel great when I get somebody off of prescription drugs that I know it's killing them. I love it. Uh, the last patient, when we had a clinic here, I think, um, it was a father and with his son. And I think he just turned 18. And he said, and he's been a ski customer of mine for years. They're very religious. Eight kids in the family. And he goes, Ed... My wife is very mad at this, but we have lost our son to pharmaceutical drugs and we can't take it anymore. He cannot sleep. He cannot see. He has headaches. He's been on every prescription drug and none of it seems to help. All it does is turn him into somebody that we never knew, somebody that we didn't raise. And I go, I was in the same boat at 18 years old. I, I was in a body cast for six months. I was on every pill you could be on. I quit every one of them for marijuana because I was told to by a psychiatrist. I said, don't mention my name, but this is a good idea for you. And I talked to this guy. It's been two and a half weeks, I think, now. You wouldn't believe what he called, what he said. I mean, this is, this, and I told him, I go, talk about it at church, please. If you see how much it's helping your son, I mean, you're crying because of how well your son is doing. You're telling me this? Please tell the church members. Just let them know. Because it's very important they do know. Because do you know what? Everybody's got a family member or friend that's losing their life, and they're afraid to come out and say, maybe you should use marijuana. Everybody does. I mean, don't they? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's the truth. And why aren't these people coming out and doing something about it? Why aren't they taking marijuana? Because they're afraid. They're afraid of the federal government. How many patients out there won't get their cards because they don't want to be in the system? A lot. A lot. I mean, it's amazing. A lot. I'm, I say, excuse, I get think. in that system. Get in that system and make these numbers bigger every day. Because it's important. Because, again, the billionaires want our money. <laughs> I mean, that's it. And it's going to come. Let's do a good job of it. You know? Let's regulate ourselves. Let's make sure that we do it right. Let's make sure that the information's out there. And, again, we know that they don't give the numbers on what's out there. But we know statistics. Again, how many prescription bills in the 90s is compared to now? How many people die from prescription pill overdoses in Montana? 300 a year. How, what percentage of those people have prescriptions? 
20% only have prescriptions. 80% of the people that we're killing don't have prescriptions for anything. They're buying it on the black market. Why, don't, why does that never end the news? How come you've never seen in the Daily Interlake ever, ever, the story of what prescription drugs and kill, how they're killing people? The statistics. How come we've never seen that? That's bad news. That's bad. That's dreary. That's what the media likes, right? I mean, you look at it, it's negative, and that's very popular. If you ask me, death is pretty popular in the news. Bad things are popular. Well, why isn't this? Well, who, who advertises in the media more than anybody? Oh, dude, pill companies. No kidding. I mean, that's just how it is. That's what we got to deal with. I mean, and obviously, we're good enough people. We're nice enough. We're honest enough. Like I said, I, oh, man, I meet people statewide every day in this industry that are just some of the most beautiful people I've ever met. I mean, every age, every origin, you know, every, it's just amazing. Like I always say, our uniqueness, our diversity will only strengthen our unity and make us better every day. And we're going to touch more people every day, aren't we? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it. I mean, that's it. It's not, this, this train is going and it's not stopping. We just make sure that's going on the right path correctly every day. That we keep helping people. And we don't shove anything in anybody's face, you know. I mean, like I said, Jason's been real quiet lately. But every time he's real quiet, something happens. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah, well, it does, it does, but that's all right. You know how we combat that. We are nice. We're helping people. I get in the news as much as I can and they're really nice to me normally, you know, I mean, that's because how do you, how can you condemn somebody that's very passionate, knowledgeable, articulate and brings them a good argument? You can't. How do you do it to somebody like Jason? Well, we all know it's pretty easy. I mean, it is, you know, I mean, it just, anybody like that. Anybody see the new TV show on National Geographic Channel, Frontier Force? Mm-mm. Nobody? It's crazy. I don't watch TV either, but I happened to turn it on. I looked. Frontier Force, Montana Patrol, Gallatin County Police. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. It was unbelievable. It's all the whole show, one hour long, was Montana Police. And I imagine they're going to go from county to county or something. But, of course, Michael Smith was on there. If you don't know who he is, he's the founder of the THC clinics. He calls legislators assholes. He writes them nasty letters, puts them in the papers. The guy's ridiculous. And he's on the camera with his face blotted out, but he's like, I'm Michael Smith. I'm the biggest caregiver in the state. This guy's calling me a drug dealer. He's a terrorist. You know, like, this is on TV? Oh, oh. you know, I, like, I never even heard of this show. I turn on and I call Heidi. I go, Heidi, because, yeah, I know, it came on last week. What? This is brutal. Oh, my God. And you know what? After the segment of Michael Smith, the next segment was a kid getting taken to the hospital because he overdosed on his roommate's Oxycontins. Right. That kid killed himself a week later. That was on this TV show. But I'm going to tell you, more people are going to think about Michael Smith talking about being a medical marijuana provider than the poor guy that killed himself because of, because of Oxycontins. We can't, what can we do about that, you know? I mean, nothing. Pointing out the obvious. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what we do. That's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's all we're left with. <clears throat> oh, man. Anyway, I'm going to give the floor to Steve. Oh, go ahead. Okay, bring up one last thing. Yeah, I just wanted to give an update. Uh, Whitefish Hospital, we discovered, is still auto-CPSing any pregnant lady who walks in there. Uh, if you have a green card and they know it, and you go into the pregnancy ward... They will test you and have, and they'll tell you that they're testing the baby. Oh, and the health and human. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and you know, we refused the test. We refused all those things. Um, 
But if they, if you have a green card, essentially they're auto CPSing you still. And I've even had patients call over there and get medical records, and they say them things like, "Is this for medical marijuana?" And so try to give them a real hard time. They're not even giving their medical records. Oh yeah. So they can get their card. So they're really trying to stonewall us. But just on the other side, um, we're filing with Chris uh, next week. Uh, a medical and discrimination suit. Good. Them to challenge this and see if we could try to do something about that policy. Yeah, that is ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. If more people knew about that, you'd see a lot more. I found it's a hot button issue that makes people mad that they would do that to pregnant women in there. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. You know. you know what? To me, to do that to anybody. Okay, again, like I told a panel of legislators and lawyers at our symposium, I said, listen, I've got a ski shop. Everybody in my ski shop has a medical marijuana card. You know why? Because we all ski. And I don't want to see people taking any other drug while they're working on my heavy machinery or doing anything else, while they're dealing with the, the public, the customers. I want to trust these people. And in my knowledge with marijuana, my experience, I trust these people. But my knowledge and experience of other pain medicines, I didn't trust myself. And you're not going to call me stupid. You're not going to tell me I'm wrong. I know myself and I know these people. I see how their lives have been changed. That's what I want. And honestly, Jim, the executive director at MMJ, was very upset that I said that. You know, but I go, Jim, that's how it is, man. I go, that is how it is. And somebody's got to say that. Would you really want somebody that's hopped up on Oxycontin to be driving your deliveries around? You really wouldn't. But he can, and he's not getting tested because you don't know it. But if he's got a medical marijuana card and they run your license number, they're going to know it. It's really, it's brutal. It's, it's, whatever. We're the bad kids. Not anymore. Soon we're going to be the kids with the largest voice because we're helping out the communities, the economy, and everything more than anybody else. Because we are good, honest people that really deserve a fair shake in this state, and not only the state, this whole country. I mean, I don't see, I don't, how many of us know anybody that don't, that doesn't deserve a fair shake? None of us. I mean, okay, maybe Jason doesn't, I guess. Oh, he's going to drag this out in court for years. Yeah, yeah it's going to go for back to court. For years. You like, think it'll kind of take him off stage, though? Dude, it, it, no. No, it's keep him in the spotlight. Yeah. 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 yeah I know, believe it or not. Well, like, <laughs> what we're doing, a lot of caregivers I talk to statewide, like how we're trying to start up the, the Montana cannabis um, clinics and information centers. A lot of people that would be in this program are not because they simply don't want to go to a dispensary. They're freaked out. They have nowhere to go to find out about marijuana. They have nowhere to trust we're going to try to open up clinics so people don't, you can look at the MCN, laugh at it. It's a joke. We know it's a joke. If we can get these clinics open, we get our dispensaries, everybody that meets the quality of standards, everybody that's legitimate in this industry, we've all got a place to go. We want a place for patients to go. Somewhere we can send people that isn't a dispensary say, go find out about it here. They've got all the information you need. We'll put it all in the news. They'll be opened up soon. People will have a place to go, and it will look nice. It will look good. That's, you know, these people come to me, and they say, Ed, what do we do? What do you think? They'll ask me. I had a group of people come to me, and they say, what do you think is going to save us? What do you think is going to help us? And I gave my ideas. And right away, they started opening up clinics and saying, you're right. Let's have information centers. Let's, let's not screw around with this. Again, it's just like the bad restaurant. You get one bad meal. I never go back. I tell 100 people. A lot of people probably never go there. Somebody goes to the dispensary, says, sees bars on the windows, they're like, dang, what's up with that, you know? And it happens, and then they're freaked out by it, because it's totally not, you know? So, anyway, we're going to work as hard as we can. Our next meeting is going to be the 6th, 6th of January, because of the holidays. It's the holidays, man. 
All right, Steve, let's talk some security. All right, well, thank you, Ed, for, uh, for having me here. I do one shot. I do appreciate it. <laughs> Ed invited me uh, to come and talk to all you folks. I uh, am a former employee of ADT Security, and I work for a local company now, Grizzly Security, here in uh, Kalispell. You guys probably all know about this company. Um, basically, uh, well, I don't want to keep you here too late, but uh, to answer some of Ed's questions while he was talking, you know, what can we do uh, as an industry? I would say the big, the big thing is to be patient. Uh, be professional. These are just some of the things that were popping into my head as, as this new industry is, is grabbing it. Well, it's actually germinating. It's taking root. And who knows, you know, how long it's going to take to mature. But you guys got to hang with it. You got to be professional. You got to be ethical. Uh, honesty. Uh, when I hear Ed speak and when I meet with him in, in other venues, uh, you know, he's an honest person. And everybody in this industry uh, has to remain honest in order to, to build the credibility of the industry. Uh, everyone's against us. I think I heard you say that a couple of times while you were talking. Uh, that's not true. Uh, when I worked when I worked for ADT, I had a couple of people within that corporation that did not want to serve you people. Uh, we we actually closed jobs and and had parts ordered, and technicians were not being scheduled to go out and do these jobs simply because it was a grow operation. Okay, so that's why I'm no longer there. You know, I had I had that customer's back, and 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 hopefully he has mine. But you know, it, it's a new industry. There's a lot of taboos. There's a lot of uh, misinformation. Uh, like you said, the press. You know, even when you do something nice, it doesn't get reported. But then when you do something bad, or or you have one or two bad apples that do something bad, it makes you know headline news from one side of the state to the next. So. You just got to be patient with all of this. It's, it's got to work itself out. There is a need. Um, you know, like you're saying, Oxycontin killing people. Uh, what about kids with bipolar? What are they prescribing for these guys? I mean, a lot of it's test. It's stuff that it passed through FDA somehow. Uh, but then again, you know, what's it really doing to these people? And it's being prescribed every single day. You don't read any of the negative things about uh, side effects that are happening to these kids that they're putting on this medication. So you've got a big lobby against you, you've got a lot of money against you, but don't give up, be patient, and, and most of all, be professional. Um, the basic things that I wanted to bring up as far as security, um, why do people want security systems? Yeah. And what's the number one reason why somebody would want a security system? To keep people out. To keep people out? Safety. Is there anything else? What kind of safety? The most important thing that a security system can provide for anybody, whether it be a business, a home, a factory, the most important thing that a security system can provide for those people is life safety. Okay? If you're, if you're like what happened in Washington last year, or it actually was earlier this year, okay, three state troopers, one was um, a dispatcher in Wenatchee, her husband was a trooper, and there was a rookie that came from Montana who was living in their home. Three o'clock in the morning, a fire starts. Why? What, what started that fire? We don't know. But you would think Washington State troopers would be physically able to detect that the house is on fire and get the heck out. 
They perished. Why did they perish? Evidently, when we're asleep, when we're in that sound sleep, smoke, something burning, you don't smell it until it's too late. You've already been overcome. So life safety is the, is the biggest reason why people need security. Now, in this industry, there's a lot of other reasons. Okay, and, and we'll get into a little bit of that, but <clears throat> basically the, the first goal of any security system is to keep you, your loved ones, friends, family, anybody staying in your home, pets, anything that's alive that can't be replaced, to keep it alive, to keep it protected, to keep it safe. Uh, the second goal of a security system would be what? After life safety. Anybody have any ideas? Keep an eye on your crops. It's, it's to avoid confrontation. Okay? When you put a sign in front of your house or in your window that says you have security and people, the word gets around that you've got security, people aren't going to come and break into your particular operation or your home or your business. They're going to go pick on the guy that doesn't have security. Why? Because they don't want to get caught. At least the ones that are half smart don't want to get caught. Okay, so avoiding confrontation. Okay, a security system creates deterrence. Okay, you walk up to a place, you see it's got security, it's got cameras, it's got an alarm system, uh, access control for doors. Okay, these are all things that are, are must-haves. It, it, it's sad that we have to have this, but you know, it's not just money. It's not just, well, you know, I'm, I'm a couple of days away from harvest, and my harvest is going to be worth a couple hundred thousand dollars of black market value. Well, yeah, your crop is worth something, and it took a lot of time to, to, to grow it. And you certainly don't want it getting ripped off a day or two before harvest. Okay, but uh, these are the things that security systems are, are put in play uh, to take care of. Okay, we don't want people breaking in. Okay, but when they see that you've got security, they won't. They'll go, they'll go break into somebody who doesn't, unless it's an inside job. And that's something else you guys have to really be concerned with. Okay? I, I get all the time people calling saying, well, you know, I'm interested in access control. I'd like to have a little card reader so I can give a card, an individual card to each of my employees and they can walk up and run it through the reader and then get into the building or get into the room or whatever, whatever they're wanting access control on. But how easy is it for me to give that card to a bad guy? Or how easy is it for me to lose that card and then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed, I'm afraid to say anything about it, so I don't tell anybody. Okay, so the card gets in somebody's hands, they know what it's for, they're able to, to run it through there and, and walk in and take whatever they want. So outside of entering codes, codes can be given to other people. Cards can give, be given to other people. Okay, but if you want to really, if, if you're into technology and you want to really get knee deep into technology, we've got fingerprint readers. Okay, so you hire somebody, you say, okay, I'm going to allow you into this part of my building. But the first thing I have to have you do is I have to have you stick your finger in this scanner so we can take your fingerprint. It goes into the database, and then every single time that person wants to go into that room, they stick their finger in the reader, it reads their fingerprint, two seconds later the door opens. Okay, the failure rate on these things is less than 0.02% for people who have a legitimate print in the database. Okay, that's hardly nothing. Okay, so <coughs> some things that uh, 
I wanted to share with you, you know, the technologies out there, the technologies available, and uh, companies like Grizzly Security, uh, we're going to take care of you. Your information is going to be kept secret. It's going to be discreet. It's none of our employees' business whether or not uh, you're doing medical marijuana or you're a pharmaceutical company, you know, making Oxycontin. It doesn't matter to us, you know. You're a business or an individual. You need a product. We're here to provide it. Does anybody have any questions? Any uh, any real life experiences that you've had with security or security companies? Well, does anybody talk to you about? Because um, a lot of people have guns. Obviously, it's Montana. And if you have guns around marijuana federally, it's against the law. But federally, marijuana is against the law. Right? I mean, does anybody talk to you? I mean, because you know, people talk to me about that, and I say, you know what? <laughs> I don't even know what the hell to say about that because you, it doesn't make sense. I talked to uh, law enforcement in Montana. They say, well, hell no, you can have a gun. We don't give a shit. Okay, so the way the law reads is you can't have a gun in the commission of a crime. That's the federal, and so marijuana is a crime. Well, now, according to the feds, anything, say, over 100 plants or a certain quantity, I don't know what their quantity amount is. Right. So if you uh, had a gun in the premise of that going on, then they would construe it as, you know, or they would file charges for, you know, uh, having a gun in the process of, a, of committing a crime. Now, if it was under the hunter plant count and it was left up to the state, then the state would probably view it as not being a crime because you're inside of your guidelines as a caregiver and, you know, you're not breaking any law. But, it's, you know, say you had one ounce too many and you had a gun sitting on the coffee table you know, or under the coffee table, well, now you're in violation of the law, and now they probably would look at that gun as being another violation and, of the law. And we, as a security industry, we don't want you to pull a gun on anybody. Oh, well, yeah. No, you know, no. we want yeah. you to avoid these problems, and that's that's why when a panic button, okay, we've, we've actually gone into some caregiver uh, operations, put in security, and we've put in panic buttons. Wireless panic buttons, ah. things that can hang from your neck or, or be in your pocket, you know. So something comes down, you're uncomfortable, you want police, you need help, silent alarm, panic button. It's the best thing that we can do with the actual mm -hmm. person wanting to cause harm in front of you, okay. Uh, go even further to avoid confrontation. I mean, if somebody wants to come in and steal your caregiver... And, and they want to come in and steal your inventory that you have underneath the counter or on the counter, by all means, step away. Your yeah. life isn't worth it. Okay, and I'm sure the owner of that shop is going to understand. Think of the liability that that owner of that shop is in. Think about losing your free chem dog. <laughs> <laughs> but but for, any, for anybody in this industry, okay, if you're, if you're a caregiver and you have employees... And one of your employees gets gets shot and killed yeah. because somebody came into his store to steal whatever was there to be stolen. Okay, there's a lot of crazy people out there. And if somebody walks into your store and sticks a gun to your head, God forbid that ever happened, but if it does, you know, if you don't have some way of, of alerting authorities that, hey, there's a problem going down here. Yeah. You know? Well, it happens to liquor stores a lot, it happens to a lot of businesses. And, and, and don't overlook it. Don't don't uh, downplay it. Uh, 
when I was at ADT, I, I had the, the opportunity to go to a couple of training classes. We were flown to Denver, uh, which was one of their hubs. And uh, we actually heard some live video of 911 calls. And uh, it's really heart-wrenching. You know, when you, when you hear a dispatcher talking to somebody and keeping her uh, coherent, keeping her uh, uh, interested at least in carrying that conversation on that 911 call, and at the same time, she's already sent paramedics to that location. And then the person gets there and they find out that her carbon monoxide level was like 30 times higher than, than what's normally acceptable. Another you know, half hour or so, she would have been dead. Her children would have been dead. You know, the security system detected the carbon monoxide in the home, and that's something that we don't want to overlook. If you have gas appliances, either get rid of them and replace them with electrical appliances, you know, or make sure you've got carbon monoxide detectors. You know, and if those things require batteries, you know, the little ones you buy at the hardware store, they're not going to be as good as a monitored system, but anything's better than nothing. But as far as guns, you know, uh, avoiding that at all costs. I get it all the time, though. Oh, I don't need security. I've got a gun. Well, what good your gun if it's 3 o'clock in the morning and you're sound asleep? <laughs> you know, your gun's no good to you then. But the, so the security <laughs> system can just go back and watch the footage of all your stuff getting stolen? Like, is this a real-time service? Well, we offer, we offer all kinds of security. We offer cameras, we offer DVRs, we offer access control. But uh, that's, is it like a monitor 24-hour type of monitor, system? Yes, or with our company, you're not obligated to buy a monitoring. And that's something that some of the companies, uh, they will not sell you a security system and install it without a three-year monitoring contract. What about the one you can say the one you can buy at Costco that's got the cameras and the monitor and you can check it from your phone and stuff like so say somebody has that but they I mean is that something then let's say listen I want to monitor it but the one at Costco is only a thousand bucks would you say cool <laughs> get it you know we'll do the rest is I've seen I've seen camera DVR systems for like two hundred ninety nine dollars or one hundred ninety nine dollars on on uh, Amazon oh. and then you go and you read. The oh, problems. Work. <laughs> you read the problems from people who have bought the two hundred dollar four camera DVR. No support. Nobody to call when the thing breaks. Nobody right. to send it to to get it fixed. Uh, no, and I'm not making that stuff up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, our stuff's a lot more expensive, but you know, you can't beat a one year warranty on parts and labor. And if something's gonna break, it's gonna break usually within the first few days or first few weeks. Mm -hmm. You know, if we get six months down the road, it's going to stay as long as it doesn't get hit by lightning. Yeah. You know, so you put in a good surge protector or a UPS, just like you treat your computers. You know, nobody has a, an expensive computer or computer network and doesn't have one of those little $150 UPS battery backup things that sits between it and the power outlet. Security's no different. But certainly, you know. Something that pertains to our industry that um, I noticed you guys do carry, too, is water bugs. That's a unique little item. You put it somewhere in a low part of your shop, and if you ever get a water leak or water pipe breaks. Um, oh, if you have a basement. Yeah, yeah, it's just like the CO2 or a fire yeah, alarm yeah, or anything yeah, else. Right. It's just a, it's another sensor that's out there that's a valuable, you know, that kind of would pertain to our industry anyway. Is, I have that, is I the water bugs. the crawl space in my ski shop. Did you? <laughs> yeah. About twelve hours before I got you know. Yeah. Now there was a company down in Lake Tahoe, Grotronics, I think is the name of them, 
and they had made some kind of software and devices for this industry. And I have sent two or three emails to these people and have never heard a single word huh. back. I don't know. What's you it know, called? Grotronics. Grotronics? Grotronics. You know, uh, I actually was interested, you know, in perhaps uh, representing that company and selling their products if it was going to work. They, they claimed to have motion sensors that would work in a grow room. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I had the same <laughs> problem with ADT. A service manager says, oh, yeah, we'll put this outdoor motion sensor in a grow room. It'll work yeah. just fine. Mm-hmm. Well, the guy's plants got yay tall. And then, you know, he, he brings in a bunch of oscillating fans that are yeah. going like this. And the motion sensors trip. Yeah. Okay. The cops come every 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, well the, the, this particular member of your association slept through it when the cops showed up. Oh. Okay, so maybe he was up late. Maybe he holds a card and, and had a little too much before he went to bed and could sleep through it. The cops came and banged on the door. You know, his alarm went off, and he slept right through it. had no idea. Oh. You know, but... Uh, one of the things that, uh, I don't know if Heidi's still on there or not, and I'm no longer in camera view, but... Right. Uh, it's Grotronics with an X, and it's yeah, an all-in-one total grow room controller capable of Okay. Right, and I, I called those people two or three times to get information on it, and they never, ever got back to me, so I don't know if there's... I'll look for them at Cushcon, they might be there. Is there an address for that? I got people in Tahoe. Yeah. They can just walk and knock on the door. Um... Is it just Grotronics.com? Yeah, with an X. Yeah, I'll look State it up. Line, Nevada. Okay. I'll yeah, look it up when a, I get it's home. It's somewhere up in the Lake Tahoe area. And uh, they claim to have motion sensors that would work and grow. Well, I've never seen a motion sensor that's yeah. going to work. And even one that mm-hmm. one, even one that an ADT uh, service manager said would work failed. Yeah. You know, because they're not thinking about oscillating fans. Okay, and, and here we get into... This is a good group to talk to this about because design. I had uh, been asked by Heidi at uh, Montana Connect uh, if I could send in a little article about security and grow operations. And uh, unfortunately, it hasn't hit the street yet. I don't know where the next issue is. Maybe it's being printed as we speak. You know, who knows? But uh, in that article, you know, I brought up some of the things that have happened to us. You know, we've gone out and, like with everything else, there are certain things we've got to learn the hard way. Um, you know, but uh, when you're setting up and designing a grow area, okay, you don't want the actual grow area to have an outside wall. Okay, you don't want that. Okay, you want to leave yourself a hallway at least three or four foot wide on all four sides of the actual grow area. You can separate the hallway with glass panels, motion sensors can't look through glass. They don't see through glass. But we want to protect the perimeter. Okay? We can't put motion sensors in the grow. We can put pressure mats that people, you know, walking might trip if they if they stood happen to stand on top of a pressure mat, but those things are expensive. Why do it? You know, you want a $100 motion sensor, a standard like what we'd put in somebody's house. That's what you want protecting your grow. But if your grow has an outside wall, we can't use a motion sensor. Okay, so when you build these, maybe you're going to outgrow a current grow operation. 
in another six months or 12 months down the road, and you need a bigger facility, come on. You know, give yourself this aisle all the way around that grow, and then frame it in. Frame in that grow. Don't have any wall of that grow on that outside wall. And then we just hang simple motion sensors up in each of the corners, and if anybody steps in that open corridor surrounding your grow, off goes the alarm. They're not going to get in. But if this is the outside wall, and here's my plants, and here's my lights, and here's my fans, I can't put motion sensors in here. So somebody comes when there's nobody around, they fire up their chainsaw, they cut a hole in your freaking wall, they walk through, they steal your crop, they go back out through the same hole, nobody even knows they were there. So, you know, our job is to make sure your crops don't get stolen. But you got to help us out with the design. Do you do that? Let the clients say, well, here's the deal. It's hard for me to help you right now because because I can't. I mean, people, because you simply can't. Like, it's like, I mean, you can tell people, like, you know, it might not be worth the money right now. Sorry. You just kind of got to be there 24 hours a day until you do it this way. Then you can leave it. It's, it's smart business, smart common sense. If you're within a week or two of harvest, to have somebody there 24-7 anyhow. Yeah. Even if you have a security system, because if it's an inside job, if a former employee knows the access codes mm -hmm. and knows where all the sensors are and knows when you're going to go to Seattle to watch a football game or whatever you're doing, knows your schedule, knows your routine, okay? And a lot of break-ins are inside jobs. Do they have football in Seattle? Well, they, they try. <laughs> They try real hard, but I'm with you on that. You know, they bought that big fancy stadium over there, and I thought they were going to bring us a Super Bowl, but I'm still waiting. Yeah, I, I guess they were in one, but they just didn't win it. <laughs> yeah, no. test run. Steelers cheated. <laughs> the Steelers did not cheat. It was a horribly refereed game, Jimmy. <laughs> what happened to the New York Jets? Okay, well, we're currently working on uh, some logistics, some transportation questions. We don't have all the details worked out, but... Uh, Has he started building the storage lockers yet? Storage lockers? Has he started building them yet? Well, no. What we were talking about was metal boxes with, with product inside the metal boxes, sealed metal boxes... That would go in the same kind of vehicle that uh, goes to banks and, and makes cash. Right. Drops. When I had talked with him a few months ago, he was talking about putting together a private. Basically, it's like a uh, what do you get at the bank? Like you a know? security deposit box. Yeah, like a deposit box. But he's looking at doing like security lockers in a guarded facility that wasn't bank owned. It would be private, uh, more private oriented. I guess is what he had portrayed to me. What were working on right now is a broker, an in-between. Where that would be is totally up to whoever decides they want to provide that product or service. But an armored security company like Grizzly, okay, they don't, they don't want to know. They don't want to know what's in that box. Right, they just want to pick it up and drop it off. Because they, they're bound by the, same, by the same conditions everybody else's. We don't know what the federal government is going to do from one hour to the next. 
They will tax us. And, 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 and an armored security truck hauling cash and anything else that happens to be in that truck from point A to point B and being paid to just transport it, okay, they don't want to know. That doesn't mean they won't transport it. It just means that as a collective group, as an industry, there needs to be some kind of in-between that protects the armored security company. Armored transport. Okay? The armored transport company doesn't care what's in the box. You know what I think is would be like some counties allow affidavits for delivering for a caregiver because the common sense would tell you if you're the caregiver, you're growing the plants, you don't have time to deliver your patients. That's true. Some counties are okay with it, some aren't. Mark Long, the head of them, says he isn't at all, but he doesn't have any jurisdiction over what his departments say. So a lot of us use these affidavits. Now, I see the government accepting these affidavits if it's a bonded company more than it would if it was just some dude off right. the street. So, and that's how I think that I would approach Adding this. legitimacy to it. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? Saying, how about this? How about these affidavits going in that box just in case the feds come into Grizzly and say, we got to look into this. They go into a box that they can do that somehow. You've got the affidavits that say that this is for somebody and they live here or whatever. You know, and right now you don't have to disclose where anybody lives, really. So transportation is just another issue that you know the law needs to be better defined. Clarified. You know, how do we transport if the grow is in is in Lincoln County, it's a major grow that supplies caregivers across the state. Right. How, do, how do we transport from Lincoln County to Haver? How do we do that? It's not in the laws. No, we drive the speed limit is what we do now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you've got lots of guns and lots of ammo. <laughs> Try to drive the speed limit. Avoid the confrontation if you can, Ed. Yeah, that's you know, what we do. Fill Good. the tank and carry the pens. Good. Well, I thank, I thank you guys for allowing me in here to talk to you. Thank you. Got, Thanks, Steve. I've got cards here. If somebody wants to have me come out and take a look at something, give you a price, I'd be more than happy to do that.